Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. That's a great job. That's our prayer, isn't it? God bless the USA, and you know he has, hasn't he? We have enjoyed national blessing for a long time, right? And uh, some of us are a little older than others. I, I can look back in my uh, young life, my short life, and I can see the rich hand of Almighty God upon our nation. But living long enough now, I can also see the difference of what happens when a country, when a people begin to turn their back on God. You can see the difference in that, right? And so our prayer is God bless the United States, and we're here on purpose, aren't we? We're not here accidentally. God could have saved us and taken us home, and that would have been okay too, but he left us here for a reason. And so we need to continue to shine bright as lights in this dark world and make a difference. We're here to make a difference, aren't we? And I'm not sure if you listened to it, but the choir sang a song. They sang the song, Let Freedom Ring, you know? And, uh, and look, let, let's just be honest. Uh, every day, as Americans, we begin to lose rights. And we begin to lose some of our freedom. True? Uh, but it's still the greatest country in all the world. And we still enjoy freedom. You know what freedom gives you? Freedom gives you hope. And I want to speak to us this morning a little bit about, uh, about hope. Uh, fellows, go ahead and help me with that. Let me ask you this. When, when you hear the word hope, what comes to your mind? comes to your mind. Uh, uh, how do you, let me ask you this, uh, how do you define, how would you define hope this morning? You know, for some people, I think this, I think uh, when they think about the word hope or they think about hope, uh, it, 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 they, they might define it as this, things are going to get better eventually. Huh? Think about that. If that is the way that you define hope, things are going to get better eventually, that's a pretty bleak look at hope. Because things don't always get better eventually. The fact of the matter is, if we're honest with each other, things tend to get a bit worse. You know? You know, in God's economy, in God's eyes, we are as bad off as we can be. You know why that is? Because every person is born in sin. You can't get worse than that. But you can always get worse as an individual. Your situation can worsen. And so if your definition of hope is this, uh, it's going to get, uh, eventually things are going to change, eventually things are going to get better, uh, let me give you a better working definition. May I do that? Let me give you a Bible definition for the word hope. I like this one better. Go ahead and flash it up, uh, guys. Help me with this. Here's a working de definition uh, for hope, biblical hope. God is up to something good on my behalf. Amen. Say amen right there. 
Uh, I want you to say it with me. You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. God is up to something good on my behalf. Now, I'll be honest with you, for me, that works a little bit better than things are going to get better eventually. Because I've lived long enough to realize things don't always get better eventually. Huh. But as a Christian, I've come to realize this. God really is up to something good on my behalf. I may not always see it that way. It may not always appear that way at first. But if you wait it out, if you give it some time, you'd see how God really does work things out for our good and his glory. Amen? So let me ask you to join me this morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like for you to join me in the book of Habakkuk. <whistles> Habakkuk. Old Habby, whatever you want to call it. And um, we'll give you until the end of the service to go ahead and find it. <laughs> Habakkuk, it's one of the minor prophets. They're right, I don't know, somewhere. And if you're in the New Testament, go backward, you know, and you'll find it eventually. Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 1. Now, we're going we're to pick through this just a little bit. I'm going to give you a little history. Uh, because here's, here's the idea Habakkuk is, is kind of concluding this. Now pay attention right here. God, if you don't step in and do something, there's nothing that can be done. In essence, what he's saying is this, God, you are our only hope. You guys staying with me? You are up, up top, not you, up top. You are our only hope. I kind of give them little cues you know, but they are so into the message that they forget the cue, you know. Uh, and, and that's kind of the idea uh, that you'll find as you study the book of Habakkuk. It's just three chapters. He's considered a minor prophet, not for any other reason than the book is only three chapters. Compared to Isaiah, Isaiah is considered a major prophet, and there are 66 chapters. Are you with me? So it's not like his prophecy is minor or lacking or lesser. Not at all. In fact, he's speaking the very word of God to the people of Israel, God's people. And here I want you to notice in chapter number one, it opens up, notice the words, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Did you catch that? The burden which the prophet of Habakkuk did see. And as you read on, as you read on, and we don't have the time to go through the whole text, but as you read on, you begin to see the burden, now pay attention right here, the burden of Habakkuk's heart. And, and I, I think it was Jeremiah, the prophet, who kind of put it, summarizes it well, and you may have experienced this. Jeremiah said this, he said, my eye has affected my heart. In other words, what I see, what I see, what I'm seeing, what I saw, uh, what I'm experiencing is making an impact. I mean to tell you, it's really saddening. It's burdening my heart. Are you with me? Look at the words again, the words of Habakkuk, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. And so he's looking out, now pay attention, he's looking out at his nation. He's looking at his country. And what he sees, John, is really breaking his heart. We've experienced that. Isn't that right? 
I mean, you've seen some things. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe it's not national. Maybe when you look out in America, uh, you're young and you really haven't, you haven't seen glory days. And so, uh, you know, maybe you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and for your whole lifetime, it's kind of been like this. But there's others that are here who are a little bit older. There's some folks who have served in the military. Brother Costin, who stood here and led our, uh, our pledge today as we honored the flag, served in the military. And, and he gave up, uh, he sacrificed for this nation. And he remembers a time when this nation was a bit different, you know? And so he might say this, he might say, when I look out, when I see what I see, it really, it really saddens my heart, it burdens my heart. But you might say this, it might be a family kind of a thing. Mm, what you see going on in your family just breaks your heart. You're having some mm, relational problems, you're having some family problems. Sometimes we might say this as a church, where there's some things going on at church where I remember the glory days. I remember when the power of God was upon us. I remember when we were all unified. I'm not speaking about our church, but some folks would say that about their church. And what I see going on right now is saddening my heart, is breaking my heart. Are you with me? And so Habakkuk here is sharing his heart and he's saying, so he's crying out to God. And what he's saying is this, uh, what, what I see is really, it's burdening me. And he begins to utter a prayer. He, he, he prays, and in his prayer, uh, read on with me. He says, uh, the burden which Habakkuk did see, uh, the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save? And so now, here's what he does. Here's what the prophet Habakkuk does. Uh, he's burdened by what he sees. He looks out over his nation, and he sees it deteriorating. He sees it mm, disconnecting from God, and he begins to pray. And in his prayer, I mean, he says a lot of things, but in verse number two, there's two things that I think mm, kind of rise above, and I like to point out. The first thing uh, he prays or says in his prayer is this, Lord, how long, how long are you going to allow this erosion to continue? Did you say it? I want you to see it again. Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? How long are you just going to stand back and allow this to go on? Huh? Huh? Uh, I'm not sure mm, how you feel about that, but I know many times in life, <laughs> I've said, Lord, man, when are you going to step in? Huh? How long can you allow this to go on? And I don't, man, maybe even about our national condition. Uh, but how many of us have said just, just of late, Lord, how, I mean, how, 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 how much more can we pay at the pump? Huh? Now, thank the Lord I don't go food shopping because if we did, we wouldn't have half of what we have right now in the refrigerator at home. But I don't know what a gallon of milk costs. I don't ask my wife to tell me. I, I don't know what a dozen of eggs cost. Uh, I remember, I do remember though, uh, Eddie, my, my cousin Eddie's here, I remember coming over the Wall Whitman Bridge going down to our seashore home when I was a young person. I remember the toll was 15 cents. And then a quarter. And then 35 cents and 50 cents. Remember that? Come on, some of you, you're, you're acting like you're real young and you don't remember. Uh, now I think it's $4 and what is it? How much? 
Five dollars. Five dollars. What's that? What did you say, Steve? Still working on it. Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Huh? Uh, Lord, how long before you step in and do something? And I made light of that. But there are times when, I mean, you got a family situation. You got something going on in your life. Lord, how long are you just going to? That's what Habakkuk prays here. That's what he cries out here. Did you say it? And then, and then from that, uh, a second question kind of flows. Uh, look, look in verse 2 again. And, and uh, he says, and thou wilt not save. Or another word, here, here, here's what he's saying. Not only how long are you going to just kind of, you know, but why are you so silent on the subject? Huh? Uh, and so Habakkuk is questioning God's silence and his apparent inactivity. In fact, he brings this up. Uh, look down, uh, verse 4. He said, therefore, the law is slacked. He said, the law is, isn't even being applied here. Huh? Are you, did, did you say it? Look, the law, the law is slacked, and judgment uh, does never go forth. For the wicked can pass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. So Habakkuk's overwhelmed, and now he's questioning God. By the way, by the way, I think we question God more than we like to let on. I'm not saying we, 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 no, it's just like, Lord, what in the world is going on here, man? I don't understand this. Huh? I mean, I'm trying to do my best, and I see, and why? And so Habakkuk begins to question the silence of God and the inactivity of God, and then he gets a response from God. Look in verse number five. This is God speaking. This is God's reply. He said, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which he will not believe, though it be told you. Did you see that? In other words, God is saying, now pay attention right here, God is saying this, I'm doing far more than you think I'm doing. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean I'm not working. Huh? We've, come, we, we, we've seen that, right? We've seen that in life. All of a sudden, somebody, you know, that, that is just apparently, you know, anti-God and anti-everything, all of a sudden gets saved. And, man, we say, wow, what? Oh, but God has been working for a long time behind the scenes in that person's life. Amen? So God says this to uh, Habakkuk. Now, don't miss this because this is, mm, is kind of like the, uh, the bridge that gets me into the message. He kind of says this, mm, Habakkuk, verse number 5, you're going to have to trust that I got this. I thought that was better than that. <laughs> you don't like to respond, do you? Uh, he says this, look, look, behold, among the heathen, I'm going to do a work in your, which you'll not believe, you're just going to have to trust that I got this. Huh? You're going to have to trust that I got this. I'm doing more than you think. You know, at times, I think we need to be reminded of that. God's doing a lot more than we think he is. 
I was reminded of this a long time ago when I kind of picked up on it, and I, I kind of say it often. You'll probably hear, hear me say it often. Uh, God keeps good records. Huh? You ought to write that down somewhere because sometime, somewhere, someone is going to do something to you, and you're going to say, that wasn't very nice. That wasn't fair. Huh? Lord, are you going to be reminded God keeps good records? He not only keeps good records about others, he keeps good records on you and I as well. Huh? Nothing gets by the Lord. And that's what he says here to Habakkuk in chapter number 1 and verse number 5. I keep good records. And, and what you're going to have to do, uh, Habakkuk, is just trust me. Trust me. Because, look at chapter 2, verse number 4. He said, the just shall live by faith. Did you see that? Huh? In other words, what he's saying is this. If, if, you, want, if you want things mm, to change, you've got to believe that I'm in control, and you've got to live like I'm in control. The just shall live mm, by faith. Here's a revelation for you. You ready for this one? The just must still live by faith. I know it's 2022, and we're a long ways away from that first text of Scripture there in Habakkuk chapter number 1. But even today, the just must still live by faith. Let me give you a Bible on this. Let me give you a New Testament. You guys with me? Flip it up. Go ahead. Romans chapter number 1, verse 17. Look, look at the screen. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. Say it with me, class. Now, for some reason, you're a lot louder than that side. Let's try it. You ready? I'm not trying to trick you. And there's no report card at the end of this. The just shall live by faith. Look, look, go to the next one. Look, look, look at Galatians 3. Uh, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident for... That's New Testament, Dean. That's not Old Testament. God said this in reply to Habakkuk, Lord, what I'm seeing is breaking my heart, and it appears to me that you're silent and inactive. And, and, and God says to Habakkuk, look here, look here, you're just going to have to trust me here because you just got to live by faith. And you and I might say the same thing. God, where are you? I mean to tell you, man, this nation's a mess, God. Where are you? And he might say to you and you or I, uh, look here, uh, David, you're going to have to trust me. I got this. The just must still live by faith. That's us today. But look at that last line there, the just shall live by faith. And let, let's, just, let's just be honest. What, what, what's that mean? Because isn't it true we just throw terms around at church? Right? Uh, I mean, we, we have our coined phrases. And we have our, you know, anchor beliefs. The just shall live by faith. But what's that mean? How, how, you know, how do we put that into practice? How does that become reality? Let me give you an outline to take with you right from the book of Habakkuk. These are Habakkuk words, Habakkuk's words. 
Ready? What, 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 what's it mean to live by faith? How do we apply that? What's the implication there? Go to chapter 2 with me, if you would, and look at verse 1. Now, are, are you with me? Give me a hearty amen. amen. Say, preacher, I'm having a good time right now. Say, preacher, don't stop. Say, preacher, I'll stay all day if I have to. Careful what you say. Look, look at chapter 2, verse 1. The words of Habakkuk once again. He said, I will stand upon my watch. You see that? So what does living by faith imply? The just shall live by faith. What's the implication? Well, according to Habakkuk, it means, it means that we are prepared to wait on God. Huh? Now, who would stand up and tell us how easy that is? That's really, it's, it's easy. Man, I just wait on God all day long. No. And by the way, when Habakkuk said that, he wasn't saying, this, was not, this is not an advocacy for being inactive or passive. What he's saying is, I will stand upon my watch. In other words, in other words, what he's saying is this, I am going to do what I'm supposed to do while I wait on God to do something other. Huh? Waiting on God doesn't imply inactivity, just the opposite. In fact, if we were to take Luke, uh, the physician, book of Luke, and apply it to that text, Luke said this in Luke 19, 13. He, he tells us, he told the disciples to occupy till I come. And that's our task. We're to occupy. So the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? Well, according to Habakkuk, there's got to come a time where we just wait on God. We're waiting on God. We're trusting God that he's going to step in and do something. And as we wait, we occupy. Now, let me make that practical. I think we need to get to the place where we occupy our prayer closet. See, it's easy to stand up and, and nitpick and point out all of the nonsense going on and, and criticize and, you know. But honestly, those words have little meaning, very little power if we're not backing it up, you know, and saying, God, you've got to step in and do something. We've got to get back to praying. And can I just be a, a mild encouragement today? Let me encourage you to do this. Occupy your prayer closet. Maybe by doing this, just maybe carve out. Now pay attention here. Just carve out a few minutes every day to pray. Did you hear what I just said? I didn't say you got to pray like some of the old timers who prayed two hours a day. Carve out a few minutes Every day. And I don't mean while you're driving to wherever you're going. I don't mean as you're... Now, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean to tell you, I'm so glad, I'm so thankful for cell phones for this respect. Because before cell phones, Aaron, when I would be driving and talking to God, if I'd come to a traffic light, I, you know, I would have to stop. Because I, I, I can't pray unless I'm talking out loud. You know? And so I'd be, I'd be driving down the road saying, man, God, it's a good day. It's a blessed day. Would you take care of this and take care of that? And blah, blah, blah. Come to the traffic. I stop. Why? Because I don't want the people next to me to think I was crazy talking to myself. But now with cell phones, 
You know what I do? I just, I just hold it like this. Like, I, nobody on the phone. I'm talking to God. And I pull up to a stop sign. I'm going at it, man, you know, and I don't feel so crazy, you know. But if you and I would carve out just a few minutes every day, I prefer first thing in the morning. After you do what you got to do, you get yourself ready for work, school, play, whatever it is, just get somewhere where there's nobody in your house. Even if you got to go into your bathroom or closet, close the door and get alone with God. Now, I know some of you think, but that's so academic, but you don't do it. Come on now, help me here. You don't do it. And by the way, by the way, where's all the young people? Look here, you don't have to pray about what you think God wants you to pray about. You pray about what matters to you. Look here, if praying is only me praying what matters to God, but I pray, uh, Raji, when I pray, I pray about what matters to me. I heard Dr. David Gibbs say this one time. I'm not sure if you know who Dr. David Gibbs is. He's a great, great preacher, CLA, Christian Law Association. Here's what he said. I was with him in a conference one time, and he said, you know what? Nobody can pray for my wife like I can pray for my wife. And he said, this is, the, this is not the accurate number, but it's close. He said, I pray like 67 specific things for my wife every day. You know what I thought? Your wife must really be a mess. I pray 67 specific things for my wife every day. You know what that means, John? He prays more than, now, Father, bless Donna. Donna's my wife. Father, bless Donna today. Look here, Donna's already blessed. She's saved. She's married to a great guy. She's already blessed. Look, she's going like this. She's saying, praise Jesus back there. She's getting with it. Are, are, are you listening real good? Huh? Nobody can pray for your kids like you can pray for your kids. Preacher, would you pray for my kids? Yeah, but I hope you're praying for them. Nobody can pray for your church like you can pray for your church. Occupy. And look here, I'm not talking about getting in that closet and coming out two hours later. Hey, if you do, praise the Lord. Hope you didn't fall asleep. Hope you prayed. But just a couple, Andrew, just a couple of minutes every day where you get on your face before God and say, man, I really need you today. I have no idea what I'm going to face. Would you go before me? I got a meeting at work, a meeting at school. I got this, I got that. I need your help. Huh? Occupy. You know, that's what it means. The just shall live by faith. We're waiting on God. And while we wait, we occupy the prayer clock. You know what I think? Can I give you a second suggestion? I think we ought to occupy the church house. Christians need to get back to church. Stop giving me this baloney. Stop giving me this baloney that you're afraid to come to church because of sickness. The same sickness at church is at Walmart. Acme, Publix, wherever you shop, Marshalls, Dick's Sporting Goods, Wawa. Come on, man, we've copped out. We've gotten so lax today. We see some folks here with masks on. God bless you. Got no problem with that. If you feel you need to do, I'm all for that. But look where they're, they're in church. Amen. They're in church. Got pe- now, there are some people that are immune compromised, and if they get, I get that. But there's a lot of other folk just playing the game. Playing the game. You know what I like to do? I like to set, don't do this, please, sound guys. I like to set passwords on the online service. So that if you can get to church, it won't work in your house. You can't watch the services. 
Yeah. So you know what they'll do then, James? They'll start listening to another church. So we'll lose them all together, you know? I mean, we got to get back to church. Huh? Look here. When I was coming up, when I was coming up, Miss Honey, the Lord's Day was the Lord's Day, and not just in the morning, it was the Lord's Day. It was the Lord's Day. And we went to church. Now, I understand why the evening service was started. It wasn't started so that we can get you here another hour. It was started because some folks couldn't come in the morning. They worked, you know, and so our forefathers said, we got to do something to feed these people, and so they started an evening service. But think about this. Look here. We, I don't preach the same message morning and evening. I don't. I preach a complete different message. So if you came in the morning, you come back. Now, we have no service tonight, but if you came back tonight, you get a complete different message, right? Some folks are saying, but preacher, I already went in the morning, and I get it. And there's nowhere in the Bible that I can show you, nowhere where I can show you you need to be in Sunday school, morning, and evening service. I can't show you that. But I, I, will, I will show you this, that wherever God was working in the Bible, God's people wanted to be there. Hello? And so if, God, if God's people are gathering on Sunday night, right, I mean, I tell you, that's where I want to be. Something great's going to take place. I want to be in there. If they're meeting on Monday night, I want to be there. Wherever I can be, I... Hello? We need to get back to occupying. See, we don't have a right to stick our finger out and say, Mr. President or Mr. Speaker or Mr. No, because we've, we've given up. We're not occupying what we need to occupy in order to have the hand of God back on this nation. Amen. And then I think this. I think if I could maybe throw out a third thing, I think this. I think we need to occupy the front line. Huh? Let me say this with heart. We need to take a stand where we can take a stand. We need to take a stand when we can take a stand. Hello? I'm not an advocate. I am not. I know in the pulpit I, I may seem to be a lunatic, but in life I'm not. I'm not an outspoken individual. I mind my business. I do get involved where, for example, if I go to Wawa, look for a cup of coffee, and somebody is abusing somebody else, I'll, I'll be the first to jump in. However, you know, if, if there's an injustice there, if they don't have my favorite kind of coffee, or if it's not, I don't, I don't pitch a fit. I, I don't pick it. I don't boycott. I don't get involved in that stuff. If, Dean, if you said to me, I'll never go into a Wawa again, God bless you, I respect that, but I would hope that doesn't mean I can't go in. Because if that's your conviction, it's your conviction, but it's not mine. I'll never try to do anything that would cause you to stumble. So when I'm with you, I won't go to Wawa. I'll compromise and go to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Starbucks is not my cup of tea. It's too strong. When I drink a cup of Starbucks coffee, I bounce off the walls, man, you know? So I, I'm, not, I'm not that way. I'm not, Andrew, I'm not advocating you to go to your job tomorrow and stand up and say, I'll tell you right now, if we don't open up in prayer, I'm quitting this job. I'm not saying that. But maybe to set an example, you go there and they see you pray. See, we can, look here, we can very subtly take our stand. We can, when it's appropriate, make our comments. You know, that Roe v. Wade decision a week or two ago, you know, I didn't run through the neighborhood saying, we win, we win, we win. What have we really won? Am I glad? You betcha. 
Would I have stood with them to say, yes, you betcha. But I wasn't in Washington, D.C. with a picket sign saying, you better vote against it. You know what I was doing? I was just praying like I have been praying all my adult years. And whenever somebody asks me, I don't hide behind it. I graciously say, this is where I stand because of what the Scripture says. And that, that's the homosexual lifestyle, that's transgenderism, that's the LGBTQ, that's everything. You don't have to be ugly. But by God's grace, we keep giving up too much ground. And it's ground, John, we're never going to get back. Huh? Are you with me? And so when Habakkuk says, I'm going to wait on God, it was a little bit more just saying, I think I'm just going to sit down on my watch and wait for you to do it. You don't do anything, I'm not moving. No, that's not what he said. I'm going to occupy until you do something other. Are you with me, church? Was that too strong? Huh? You sure? Was that okay? I mean, I can back it up if you want. I don't know how to, but I can try. All right, let's move on. Look at the second thing he says here. Same verse. Chapter number 2, verse number 1. He says this, and will watch to see what he will say unto me. So I'm going to stand upon my watch. I'm going to wait on God, and then I'm going to watch for God. Did you say it? I'm going, to, I'm going to watch to see what he's going to say unto me. Oh, I like that. Habakkuk now is going to wait to hear from God. He's going to wait to hear from God. And so he's going to live his life, and pay attention, he's going to live his life with his eyes and ears wide open. Are you aware of this, right? It's not always obvious. It's not always evident what God is doing. Have you experienced that yet? What, you, what may have appeared to be, oh, my soul, what's going on now? All of a sudden, there's a breakthrough, and God has been working behind the scenes, and wow, you got to be kidding me. Huh? And I think that's what I, Habakkuk is saying here. He's saying, as we wait on God, let's watch for God, because it's not always obvious that God is working. Huh? Amen? Uh, let me give you an example. So, in January 2022, I got an email from one of the deacons here at Open Bible Baptist Church saying, Pastor Yanizzi, we're looking for uh, a lead pastor. Um, in fact, I ought to back that up. 11 months prior, maybe a year prior, I got a phone call from somebody from here saying that our pastor is getting re ready to resign. Do you have any interest in being our pastor? That was a year prior, and I said, oh, no, I don't. I live in Florida, and that is nowhere near New Jersey. <laughs> no. I promise you, Mrs. Yanizzi was sitting right next to me at that time, heard the conversation. Raji, when I hung up the phone, I looked at her, and I said, don't even think about it. <laughs> right or wrong, Donna? Don't even think about it. I'm not going. I was from Pennsylvania. I'm in Florida. I'm in the promised land. That's it. I'm staying <laughs> Got a phone call, then got an email, then got another phone call by one of your deacons and said, Pastor Nizzi, uh, we need some help. Would you be willing to counsel? Yeah, I've counseled for an hour on the phone, so-and-so. Long story short, I end up here. I'm counseling with the deacons, having the time of my life, preach to you people, had a great time preaching. The very last meeting I had with the deacons on a Wednesday night, we're talking. I was going to give them my assessment as if they were to hire me as a counselor, by the way. There was no fee. I just came by faith. 
And I just, at the end of it, I said, here's what I think you ought to consider. And one of your deacons said to me, would you be our pastor? And I said, oh man, let's back this up. I said, if I gave you any reason to think that I'm interested, I am sorry. I am not interested at all. I have a job. I'm not looking for one. Huh? You do know I'm the pastor of the church now, right? <laughs> Just in case you're visiting. And, uh, and so, Brother Kevin sent back there. You remember this conversation, Kevin. And, 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 and I said, and so I, one of the deacons said, well, preacher, would you at least help us find one? I said, I can do that. I promise you I'll help you to find one. And, and I left. I left the next day, went back to Florida. Deacons called me the, fi- the next Thursday. Pastor, would you consider? And I thought, these guys need to leave me alone. My wife is probably somewhere in the midst of this trying to. And I remember saying this. I don't know if it was you, Kevin, to call me. I don't remember the details. But I said this. I said, all I can tell you is this. I'll pray. I said, I'll get my wife together this weekend. We'll pray, we'll fast, and we'll see. I don't know. I said, call me next Monday. And that's what we did. We prayed and fasted. And I'll be honest with you, I had a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. And I was even praying. I don't even know why I'm praying. I'm not going. I'm telling you right now, I'm not leaving Florida. I'm not going. They can take my wife. Let her pass to the church. She's pretty good. But I'm not going. Monday came, I prayed, fasted, Monday came, and I had dinner with my wife that afternoon, and when I left, I was going to my office, the deacons were going to call me at 6 o'clock for a, uh, you know, some kind of a Zoom meeting. My wife said to me, what are you going to do? I said, honestly, I don't know, and my principle is, when I don't know, I don't do anything. I said, so I'm not going. And here's exactly what she said to me. She said, look me in the eye, and I (laughs) looked her in the eye, and she said, whatever you decide, I'm for it. She said, you followed God. We've been married for a few years now. She said, you followed God all this time. I know you're going to follow him now, wherever it is. If it's here, if it's there, wherever, I'm good. Do you hear me? I'm good. And she smacked me, and she left. (laughs) I got on the phone with the deacons, right? Will, you were on on the line, and we're talking, and you know it. And I'm watching all the deacons' heads going down because I was giving them no, no impression that I was coming at all. And, uh, and they're all, and I'm watching them, and I'm just saying, I don't really care, guys. You can cry if you want, but I'm not changing my mind. It's not happening, man. I mean that, Dave. This is gospel truth. And then, and then I'm just sitting there in my office. Nobody's around. They're on the, my, my computer screen. I was so tempted to hit the button and say, oh, lost the feed. <laughs> and, and then I just said to them, guys, why in the world do you want me to be your pastor? There's got to be somebody else out there. I said, would you please tell me? And one by one, they went around the table. And I promise you this, when they were finished, Charles, when they were finished, my heart was broken. I started to cry, and I said, we better move forward. What do we need to do? You know what I realized, Raji? What I'd just been preaching. God was working behind the scenes I wasn't watching to see it because I didn't want to see it. Huh? Let me give you a Bible. Uh, go ahead and flip it up. Uh, go, go to that next verse. Colossians 4.2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Go, go to the next one. 1 Peter 4.7. Go ahead. Uh, but, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch. Do you see how he connects prayer with watching? Yes, sir. 
So as you pray, you need to be watching for what God is doing. You know what we do sometimes? We pray and then we just go off to oblivion. God is working behind the scenes. And he's doing far more that we could ever imagine. By the way, that's not just nationally, and that's not just in pastors' lives. That's in your life. That's in your life. Huh? That's in the, in, in the circumstances of your life, in the fluidity of your life. You've got to believe that God is at work. Let me give you one final thing here, and we'll finish. Living by faith implies worshiping God. Worshiping God. Look in chapter number three now, and I'm, I promise you I'm coming around the corner. We have no evening service, so we can go a little bit longer, right? I, that's what I thought, but maybe not. I don't know. Look what happens here. Uh, chapter one, chapter three, verse, verse one. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigenoth. And here, here's what you look at. Look, look, look at verse two. Lord, I have heard thy speech. Now get this, please. Everything changes in chapter three. You know why? Because Habakkuk... Habakkuk heard from God. He got a word from God. And it changed his whole perspective. When you and I, when we get a word from God, it changes our whole perspective. And I'll take it back to that story just a moment ago. After those five men spoke, and I saw the sincerity in their heart and in their voice and the tear in their eye, God spoke. And it changed my whole perspective. That's what happens here with Habakkuk. Whole perspective has changed. And look what happens now. Look at the next, next few words. He said, Lord, revive thy work. Now he's praying for revival. Huh? He's praying for revival. Oh, man, I like that. His perspective changes. Now let me give you something to take with you. Talk this away somewhere. Don't you quit before God finishes. And that's in everything in life. Don't quit before God finishes. You got Bible for that? I do. Romans 8, 20, 28, verse 8, verse 20, uh, chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. All things may not be good, but if you don't quit before God finishes, God's going to work it out to be good. Here's the problem. Sometimes we quit before God finishes. And we never get to that place of blessing and enjoyment and satisfaction and completeness. Help me here. Huh? Habakkuk didn't quit, man. He just was waiting on God. He's watching for God. And now he gets a word from God. You know what he does? He worships the Lord. Look in chapter 3, verse, oh, look at verse number 20 said, but the Lord, I'm, in, I'm, I'm sorry, look in, in chapter 2, verse 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Look in chapter 3, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, now, now you, you missed it. Listen here. In chapter 1, he's burdened, right? He's overwhelmed, didn't he? Right, did you see it, chapter 1? But in chapter number three, after he's, he gets a word from, now he's worshiping. You know what worship is? Look up here for a second. This is not worship. I got no problem with that. When you sing and you like to raise your hands, and by the way, when you raise your hands, you know what this in indicates? 
nothing between you or I, so you be, better be careful when you raise them hands. Because that's what that means. I got no problem with that. I, 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 honestly, when that choir was singing, Christy, if it wasn't for these Baptist people, I'd have been standing up on that pew saying, a couple weeks, I'm, I got to get them to learn me first. Loosen up and enjoy it, man. This is just an education for heaven. Huh? I don't mind you. When, uh, some of the folk over here said to me the other night, I said, man, you, you're, you're quiet. They said, we'll start talking back. Talk back. Go ahead and say, sick them, preacher. Get them. Go for it. Man, tell us about it. You got no problem with that. We're too reserved. We need to let God know we're really having a good time. But you know what worship is? Worship is when we leave the door, Steve. This is a worship service. Worship is a lifestyle. It's when you leave the door, you leave trusting Him, loving Him. You're going to be loyal to Him. You're going to serve Him. You're going to honor Him. That's worship. See, worship has a real practical effect in somebody's life. And so if you came to church today, between the music and the preaching, I hope it's leading you to be more worshipful and you take it with you. And you live it out there. Don't leave it here. Tyler's going to come in tomorrow and clean it all up. Take it with you. Take it with you and do something with it. Amen? Listen carefully and I'm finished. Isaiah, or Habakkuk, is saying, Lord, you are our only hope. Let's just be honest. God is our only hope. The only hope for America. I look here. I know, I know 2024 is coming, and, and our president-elect, our president right now will probably not be the new one. I doubt very much. But the fact of the matter is, even if he was, even if, even if your favorite guy came back, huh? I mean, even if we can vote in George W. Riddell. <laughs> Raji was joking with me last night about that. Look here. Even if we put... Preacher, and by the way, he's preaching someplace this morning. He's not boycotting the service. He's out preaching. I would vote for him. I think he'd be a great president. Huh? I think he'd have, probably have Shelton Smith as his vice president. That's an inside joke. Uh, but let's be honest. That's not what America needs. America needs the just to live by faith. We just sang the national anthem, didn't we? I love the national anthem. I was waiting for somebody to say at the end of it, play ball. <laughs> it's kind of natural, right? But I know you missed this. Many of you missed this. Did you know that the national anthem first verse, by the way, we only sing the first verse, ends with a question? There's no punctuation in the song, but it ends with a question. Flash it up, if you would, please. Look at the last line. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? Does it? That's the question. Every time we sing that song, there's no question mark at the end, right? We sing it as if it's, man, it's just a reality, right? That banner is waving over the land of the free and the brave, yeah. But is it? The answer to that question is in verse 4. We never sing verse 4 of the national anthem. We didn't even know there was one, right? But there is one. And verse 4, flash it, guys, and let's get all the way down. And this be our motto, in, in God is our trust, 
and, look at it, and the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. When? When God is our trust. That's when that flag will wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. And for that to occur, the just must live by faith. That's you and I. So, preacher, what do I do? Wait on God. Watch for God. Worship God. Occupy till he comes. And that flag will wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.